Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Shelf Care Interview, a conversation series in which Booklist talks with book people. This Shelf Care Interview is sponsored by Naxos Audiobooks. I'm Heather Booth, Booklist's audiobook editor. Today, we have the pleasure of speaking with the team behind Finnegan's Wake, narrators Barry McGovern and Marcella Riordan, and composer Roger Marsh. Barry McGovern is a Dubliner. He was born in Eccles Street, graduated with a BA from the University College Dublin, and lives in Chapel Lizard. He is perhaps best known for his appearances in the work of Samuel Beckett. His two one-man Beckett shows, I'll Go On and Watt, have played worldwide, and he played Vladimir in the Beckett on film, Waiting for Godot. Marcella Riordan began her career at the Abbey School in Dublin and has worked in theaters all over Ireland and the UK, including Druid Theatre and Lyric Belfast. She has worked extensively on the BBC Radio and RTE. Her previous work on James Joyce's text includes playing Gertie McDowell in Anthony Burgess's Blooms of Dublin, Zoe in Ulysses, and Molly Bloom for Naxos Audiobook's Recording of Ulysses. Roger Marsh is a composer and former professor of music at the University of York. His music has been performed, broadcast, and recorded worldwide. In 1995, he abridged Ulysses and produced it for Naxos Audiobooks, and then went on to produce all of Joyce's major novels, as well as Dante's Divine Comedy, also for Naxos. He currently lives in the south of France, where he continues to write and compose. Welcome, everyone. So this new production of Finnegan's Wake is truly epic. It's fully produced with music. It's 24 hours long. Uh, This must have been quite a project. How did each of you prepare for it? Golly, well, the only thing to do is read it and read it and read it. Also, to get as much information as you can from as many sources as you can. I've got to say, (laughs) I fell down many rabbit holes as I went to research pronunciations or just the history of the word. And if the word has, say, two or three meanings, I was trying to get all two or three meanings into the word, you know, but I realized that was a huge mistake afterwards because there's no way you can possibly do that. So the other thing, it's full of tongue twisters and you want to make it in as much as you possibly can to trip off the tongue. So I spoke it aloud an enormous amount of times all day, every day. And so that was essentially my preparation. Well, I'm much the same. I mean, I'm one of these nerds. I actually got a copy of Finnegan's Wake for my 21st birthday, (laughs) which uh, says a lot about me. I didn't read it all then, but I've dipped into it over the years. And I've so my copy's falling to bits now and I've marked up. But of course, since I got onto this project, I decided I was going to read the full book from River Run to the that year. And, you know, you can go through this all your life and still not make head or tail of some bits of it. But there's a fantastic music to the book. There is a sort of a plot. Basically, there's a family involved. Uh, Humphrey Chimpton Earwicker and his wife, Anna Livia Plurabelle. It's later on in the book, towards the end, we discovered that their real names are really a Mr. and Mrs. Porter who live in a, a, a pub in Chapel Lizard, where I happen to live by sheer chance. Um, and they have two sons, two twin sons and a daughter. And these five characters take on all sorts of names throughout the book. It really refers to the history of the world and families and tribes. There are myths and legends all over the place. And even though there is a sort of a setting around Chapel Lizard and the Phoenix Park, it's really a universal thing. And it kind of takes place at night in a dream world. 
Ulysses was Joyce's book of the day, and now we have to write a book of the night. And as Marcella was saying, all these words take on so many different meanings because a lot of them are like Lewis Carroll's words. They're uh, portmanteau words joined together. Sometimes a word can have so many different meanings. But as the flow of the chapters goes by, we get a general sense of what sort of is going on. And no, nothing is very clear because it's it's nighttime and it's dreamlike. But there's a sort of a sense of the history of the world and of battles and of um, ultimately family squabbles and everything. But finally, even though it's mostly with Humpty Chimpton and Earwicker, one of the great chapters in it, chapter eight, is the washerwomen at the Ford or Anna Livia Plurabelle. It's all about two women um, discussing things as they're washing their clothes in the river. And of course, Marcella has that wonderful chapter, which is probably the most famous chapter in the book. And she also has the wonderful final 13 pages where the river Liffey flows out to sea. And it, that last 13 pages are so, so wonderful. They're the best parts of the book. And even though I have the vast majority of the book to read, my two favorite sections are the sections that Marcella reads. So there you are. Um, you know, it's a playful book. What can you say about it? It's very difficult, but it's also very wonderful. Can I just add to what Barry said there about the musicality? This book is so musical that it offers you, when you're reading the text, it, you don't have to battle with it. It offers you the most amazing rhythms. And and even though it's difficult, it, 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 fl it literally flows like a river. Uh, once you actually get into it and understand it, it's extraordinary that way. I guess that's my cue because I've been described as a composer, uh, but in this context, I'm not a composer. I, I just produced the audiobook. Um, but I got attracted to Finnegan's Wake in the first place. I mean, I've read Finnegan's Wake off and on all my adult life, and I first got attracted to it, I think, because of the musicality of the book, which Marcella's just referred to. The, it, it's like a huge poem in one sense. And I think for many people, it doesn't really get far beyond that level because the, the beauty of the words, the sound of the words, the fun in the words is almost what the book is about. But as Barry has explained, tried to explain, it's vastly more complicated than that. And I think I've spent my whole life trying to get to the bottom of what Finnegan's Wake is about. And in 1998 or 99, I think, um, I'd already produced Ulysses for Naxos, as you mentioned, but I was asked to produce an abridged version of Finnegan's Wake, which is a very challenging thing to do. But in some ways, that was the easy thing to do because you cut out all the difficult bits. <laughs> so this time around, it wasn't quite so easy because we had to grapple with all the difficult bits. And at that point, I found out how much of Finnegan's Wake I still really didn't quite understand. And it was a great pleasure going through it all with with Barry and Marcella, and, and I must say, Barry has throughout been a font of information about aspects of the book which you know I hadn't really got to grips with. Not least of all, his you know intimate knowledge of of Dublin and all those nuanced references to Dublin, which really would have passed me by as a non-Irish person. I think that's a very good point. You, you, you know, in Finnegan's Wake, I don't know how anybody could possibly get a lot of the references if they, A, weren't Irish, and B, weren't Dublin. And I see Marcella nodding, and she she's, she is a Dubliner like me. I mean, she, she you came from Tallis, not right, up in the Dublin mountains. And I yeah, and I was born, like, I grew up in Sandymount, near the River Daughter. So the River Liffey, the River Daughter, which is a tributary, all those things. The Phoenix Park, beside which I live now, the Magazine Fort, and the um, Wellington Monument and all these things, 
There's so, but there's so many allusions to figures of speech, to songs, to little songs that would hardly be known outside Dublin, to ways of saying a phrase that we'd only say, not only in Ireland, but only in Dublin, that are so local, that even though it is about the universal, it comes from the local, but there are local things in it that are very important. Joyce has always intimidated me, <laughs> but hearing the performance, I begin to think, oh, this is possibly something that I can approach and understand in a different way. Uh, I wondered if through the time that you all have worked with Joyce, if your understanding of his work has changed by performing or by producing, by being involved with his work, does it, has it changed how you connect to it or how you understand it? Well, from my own uh, point of view, yes, absolutely. I always describe Joyce as a poet who wrote in prose. And all his works, even from Dubliners, which he wrote as a very young man through portrait, and especially in Ulysses, it's just so musical and so poetic that um, I've, I've learned so much from actually physically reading. I mean, I've done readings of, of Joyce um, live and indeed recordings, but this is the first time I've obviously recorded Finnegan's Wake. How many times in your life do you record Finnegan's Wake? Once. But... Um, <laughs> You know, it's it's been a fantastic eye-opener for me, and ear-opener. I mean, I've just learned, so even looking through, I'm listening, I got the recording sent to me, and I'm halfway through it, and um, it's I'm learning so much from just listening to it uh, that I didn't even notice when I was doing it, you know? So, so yes, it's it's you spend a lifetime at it and still be learning. Of course, Joyce loved that. He wanted the scholars to be working at it for hundreds of years and still not get into the bottom of it. And you can't because the illusions are so tiny sometimes and so local. But yet it seems to work on a kind of level that is magic and mystical. It's like music. You could listen to a, a Beethoven string quartet or symphony all the time and you still discover new things in it. And some of it is very funny. Oh, it's very funny. I have to say that that some of that comedy might pass you by as just as a reader unless you can kind of hear it. And I have to say that there were lots of times during the recording when I was listening to Barry reading and suddenly I would just be in fits of laughter because, because the way it was read, the way the performance came across. That could mean one of two things. <laughs> yeah, no. It meant that I thought I understand this page, but suddenly I didn't realise how funny it was until I heard you with, you know, it's a tone of voice sometimes, but quite often the accent that you would put into it. And the same with Marcella. I, I literally did fall off my chair at one point when Marcella was reading because it came up to a passage and I was thinking to myself, here comes the car crash. This is going to be terrible because it was so difficult. And it just went perfect. When I was running it and running it in order to let it trip off the tongue, I was rolling around on the sofa, making myself laugh so much. And, and him, you know what I mean? Going, thank you. That is hilarious. So, you know, it happens all through the book, I think. One of the other things that happens, or it happened with me anyway, is I suddenly, um, you know, be following the book and listening to the recording. You say, oh, God, I'm, that's an allusion to something that... And this is always going to happen. When you read it and then you hear it, but you really need to sort of ideally read it and hear it together because that's the, there are things on the page that you could read it way A and then the way yeah. B and the way C perhaps sometimes. But you have to choose when you're reading it out loud Whereas on the page, you can hear it in the mind's ear in various ways. Yes. Yeah, that makes sense. And watching the video of you all, of the recordings that Nexos shared, it was wonderful to see the performance too. You seem physically involved in 
the the recording. I don't think that people who listen to audiobooks always understand how physical that performance can be. So that was wonderful to see. I had 20 days of recording, four weeks of five days a week. And I used to go home absolutely shaking. I mean, I couldn't, I had to come down. I was literally physically wrecked as if I played a big football match or something at the end of the recording. And sometimes we just have to stop and say, we're leaving it there for today, even if I was on a roll. Because sometimes when you're recording, you're on a roll. Other days, just not coming out right. I don't know if Marcella agrees with me, but there are some days it flows, some days it doesn't. It's human nature. But even when it was flowing, it, 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 it affected me much more than I realised. Yeah. Uh, Barry, I, I think um, it's like watching somebody run up Mount Everest and talking about the physicality of it and being so tired afterwards. That's what it's like, because once you start, you just don't stop. And the mountain doesn't stop being in front of you. There are no, there's, no, there's no point at which in Finnegan's Wake you can actually rest. No, and even, even when you're doing it, because I remember too, I mean, I've done, I mean, you've done a lot more audiobooks than I have, but I've done a few. And, and you're pretty tired at the end of a day doing them, regular English. But this language, which is so, so different, and sometimes you almost don't know what you're talking about. And I don't mean that in the way that you haven't worked at it, but no matter how you work at it, you really, but sometimes when you're listening, when I was listening back to it, it sort of sort of made sense in a musical sense. And even though I couldn't tell you what it literally meant, I mean, some passages, a lot of them are very, very funny. A lot of them are much e- are easier than others, but there are some very dark and difficult passages in it where I thought, what am I doing here? How can I ever, you know, Am, am I being a complete charlatan? But in fact, I was doing my best. And in a way, when I say they work, it's not a question of me praising myself. It's praising Joyce, because in a way, he's written it in such a way that it comes out in a sort of an understandable flow of something. That's all I can say. And um, But it certainly was very different to any other audiobook I ever did. It's so tricky. So, so tricky. It, it does wipe you out. But it's such a challenge. It's like, as you say, Mount Everest. It's worth it. It's worth trying once in your life to read it or to listen to it or whatever it is, because it's it's unlike anything that's been written before or since. It is. And it offers you so much as well. I mean, my first, unlike Barry, who read a lot of it, I, my first uh, introduction to it was when RT Radio did a version of it many, many years ago. I was involved in that. And I... I had always thought, you know, this great literary book was going to be somehow sort of stiff and tight. And what struck me was the humanity of Joyce, actually. It's a minutiae of of the little insecurities and the little thoughts and the whole psychology of it was a huge uh, revelation to me because I had thought it was going to be about something much drier and, and, and less less psychological and emotional somehow. I mean, he's extraordinary that way. His understanding of the way people tick. Oh, that's fascinating. Like we were saying before, I do think that hearing it brings that to the fore and helps the reader understand that so much more. It definitely does, uh, Heather. I mean, there's another aspect to this, which you kind of forget once you've been all through it, that I'm not sure if anybody ever taught Joyce punctuation. (laughs) Or or if they did, he, he chose not to think about it. And so... There are whole sections of Finnegan's Wake too, where the punctuation is either not there at all or minimal. And you just have to work out how to divide the thing up. And I think that's another way in which this audiobook really brings to life something which for a reader who's not so familiar, it would really be hard work to try and work out 
just how the sentences form. And I think that's something that's wonderful about the classics on audio is that it helps the listener, the reader connect with it and understand it so much more than just having it on the page. There's a person there with you leading you through it. There are, the, and just, just to say something small about the washerwomen, for instance, you have choices on them. Sometimes one is old and one is young. And sometimes um, I wasn't terribly sure which one was saying what. Sometimes the logic of it guides you, but sometimes it doesn't. So I had to plump for a particular one and hope that Roger would turn around and say, no, I think you're absolutely, which he did. And I was so grateful for because, you know, you could spend hours. I did spend hours going, which one is that? I'm the same because sometimes there's these four old men, they overhear things and they comment. They're like the, the they're like the two guys in the Muppets up in the box, you know. <laughs> and I sort of wondered who am I? Have different accents because sometimes Matthew speaks in an Ulster accent, uh, Mark in a in a Munster accent, Luke in a Leinster or Dublin accent. Well, probably Dublin, but and then uh, uh, John, uh, he's in a Galway accent or a West of Ireland accent. Anyway, so it, sometimes you just think, God, am I in the right accent? Because your head goes plays tricks on you, and even though you've marked it and you've done all the work. It just it becomes into a head spin eventually and you're rolling along. At times I felt myself just saying words and like almost being in a trance. And I say, I'm not really reading this. I must be making mistakes. And maybe I was at times where Roger would stop me. But, um, you know, it was just an amazing experience. It's like an, an out of body experience at times. Well, it certainly is wonderful to listen to as well. Well, thank you all so much. It's been lovely to speak with you. I feel like I understand the work more just in hearing what your processes were in recording and producing. So thank you so much, Barry, Marcella, and Roger for joining us today. And one more big thank you to our sponsor, Naxos Audiobooks. Happy reading. Happy reading.